Blog Talk Radio. Good morning, everyone. Welcome to the Faces of TBI podcast series. I am Amy Zalmer, founder of FacesofTBI.com and your host. Today, I will be chatting with Dr. Charles Shedlovsky about vision rehabilitation for brain injury. Today's episode is brought to you by Midwest Functional Neurology Center, a Minneapolis-based clinic staffed by a caring and progressive team of functional neurologists who are experienced in treating post-concussion syndrome, chronic pain, dizziness, whiplash, and migraines. They are the concussion doctors you can trust for comprehensive brain health in the Midwest. They have greatly helped me and many others, and you can find them online at mnfunctionalneurology.com. Hello, I am Amy Zalmer, and you are listening to Faces of TBI, a podcast series for survivors by survivors, raising awareness about traumatic brain injury, one podcast at a time. Those of you who might not know who I am, I am a TBI survivor from a fall on the ice in February of 2014. I'm a frequent contributor to the Huffington Post, Thrive Global, and the Goodman Project. And I volunteer on the Brain Injury Association of America's Advisory Council. And my second book, Embracing the Journey, Moving Forward After Brain Injury, received a silver medal award in the Midwest Book Awards this past weekend. So pretty excited to share that with you as well. You can learn more about me and the podcast at facesoftbi.com. And you can also follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Amy Zellmer. Today, my guest is Dr. Charles Shedlovsky, and Dr. Shedlovsky completed his pre-optometry studies at the University of Texas, Austin in 1984. He then attended Southern College of Optometry in Memphis, Tennessee, where he received his BS in 86 and OD in 88. Upon graduation, he moved back to the Dallas area to begin his practice. Dr. S., as he is known around the office, has been very active in neurodevelopmental optometry for most of his years in practice. He has developed and integrated many unique therapies that have helped thousands of children who have struggled in school due to vision problems often seen in ADD, autism spectrum disorder, sensory processing disorders, as well as, as, well, as, well as some of the classic vision problems related to focusing, eye teaming, eye movement skills, visual spatial skills, and vision perception issues. He has expanded his work to include those with traumatic and acquired brain injury, stroke, and other neurological processing problems. In addition, he works with several professional sports teams in the Dallas area, as well as weekend athletes on developing vision skills. He is a clinical director for the Special Olympics Opening Eyes program. So welcome to the podcast, Dr. Shalovsky. So happy to have you here today. It certainly is a pleasure, and thank you for having me, Amy. Really appreciate it. Absolutely. I'm, you know, I, uh, anyone who follows my podcast knows how passionate I am about the vision component after brain injury. And, you know, I'm really excited to have you here today talking about vision rehab. So thank you for being here. I would love to have you just start. um, I'd love to have you just start by giving us, you know, um, just a brief overview of how you came to work with brain injury patients. Like, what brought you um, to this specialty? 
Well, that's a great question. I think what started me at the beginning was I had really had a big interest in um, sports vision going back to when I was in school. And as, as a fourth-year student in optometry school, I worked with a college baseball team. Um, and then when I went into practice, um, I tried to work uh, with some of the teams around the area. But it was very difficult at that time. Um, and it was very hard to, 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 to really kind of um, – push myself through and, and finding uh, sports teams that were willing to work with us because it was such a new area. Um, and then really what happened was um, I decided to focus more on working with children, uh, as you mentioned, with autism, ADD, ADHD, dyslexia, uh, vision-related learning problems, um, and, but always had my eye on, uh, on other aspects. And, and then about 15 years ago, I got a phone call from a rehab center here in the Dallas area and they said, will you be willing to see some of our brain injury and stroke patients? And I said, oh, I'm sure I could figure out how to do that. Um, so I, uh, I basically started seeing brain injury back then, um, attended um, some different meetings, particularly the Neuro-Optometric Rehabilitation Association meeting, uh, took, took their variety of different courses they had available, and educated myself, and then really over time kind of figured out what worked. And then really circled back to sports vision later on because – What's what have they been talking about in the news a lot? Concussion. And so concussion has really reopened the world of sports vision to us, um, mm -hmm. which has allowed me not, not only uh, to be able to work with these teams, but uh, in recent years, uh, a couple of colleagues of mine started a, a new association called the International Sports Vision Association, which focuses on vision, uh, vision uh, training and uh, also vision rehab for concussion. Fabulous. You know, it, it makes me so happy to see so many doctors out there, it, you know, across all different modalities who are understanding that there's more to brain injury um, than, you know, what we knew I don't know, 10, 20 years ago. Um, I'm, I'm sure you know who Dr. Deborah Zielinski is, and she's been on my podcast several times, and um Dr. Uzma Samadani, who is one of the lead neurosurgeons here in Minneapolis, um, she, you know, I, I met her and she explained how 90% of people who hit their head will have a vision problem. And for me, I struggled for two and a half years. I kept telling doctors something's not right with my eyes. My left eye, I'm a photographer. My left eye is my dominant eye. You know, I'm very in tune with my vision, right? Like, and something's just not quite right. And every, you know, the, the eye doctor, the neuro-ophthalmologist, like everybody, the neurologist, everyone just kept telling me, your eyes are fine, your eyes are fine, there's nothing wrong with your eyes. And finally, you know, I met Dr. Schmo, who is, um, practices functional neurology, and then that opened me to this whole world <laughs> of, of vision-related you know, uh, dizziness and balance issues. And I mean, that's where all my problems were stemming from was my eye tracking. So I just, I love knowing how so many more doctors are becoming aware and understanding and working with brain injury patients. So it, it just makes me so happy <laughs> to know that there's more of you out there than ever before um, to help people who are still struggling. Well, certainly Dr. Zelensky is a very good friend of mine. She's uh about she and I lectured together in Chicago last month, um, and we've, we've corresponded over the years. Uh, we treat patients in a very similar manner. So um, uh, as a good friend and, and an outstanding uh, uh, neuro-optometrist as well, 
Um, and, and then the other point you made of, um, you know, two, taking two and a half years to figure out what's going on. This is something I hear about all the time. Um, they're coming into me two years, three years, six years down the line, mm-hmm. and they're still having visual issues uh, after their concussion or after their traumatic brain injury. But, of course, they've gone to the doctor, and the doctor said, well, structurally your eyes are fine, but they forgot about function. And that's the big difference is you have to understand that you can't structure doesn't define function. Um, so what we have to do is we have to understand the functional aspects of vision, and that's where we can make the biggest impact by changing those functional in, um, functional aspects of vision. And 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 in that route, and when I, and and in also treating and working with people with functional vision problems, uh, well, guess what happened? We started working with OTs and PTs and functional neurologists to a point now where I'm actually on the board of the International Association of Functional Neurology because I've, I've done some, a lot of work with, with that organization as well. So I'm a very, very big believer in interdisciplinary care. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and so let's talk about some of the things that a patient might be experiencing and not realize it's their eyes. So for me, I had a lot of dizziness. And I was convinced it was because of my eyes. Everybody thought I was crazy, um, but I was convinced. Like I said, I'm a photographer. I'm so much more in tune with, you know, my vision and my eyes than I think probably the average person. Um, and so, you know, like, I, like somebody might walk by me in my peripheral vision and it would make me dizzy. Or, you know, a, a train might go past me as I'm waiting at the, at the stoplight, and that, that would make me dizzy. And I kept being told I just had positional vertigo. And they would do the Epley maneuver, and it wouldn't do anything for me, right? And, and the Epley maneuver has been proven to be like 90% effective um, for people who have crystals in their ears. So obviously, if it's not working, that's probably not the problem. <laughs> but they kept insisting it was positional vertigo. Um, so what are some of the symptoms you hear from your patients that come to you who've been struggling for, you know, two, three, five, ten 10 years? Um, what are some of the things they're complaining about when they come to see you? Excellent question. You know, for a lot of the concussive and TBI injuries, what, what we, we hear about a lot is sensitivity to motion, just what you were talking about with the train. Um, uh, but even just motion in the room, in a room, going to an arena to watch a sporting event, going to the supermarket. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and just going through the aisles and shopping or going to the mall, that, that motion sensitivity tends to be something that is, we hear very, very commonly. Difficulty with eye movements. It's that, it's that patient who said, gosh, I've just really had this hard time since my, my, my injury. I've had a hard time reading. And I was a really avid yes. reader before, and I can't read yes. now. Um, what's going on with that? And it's, we find oftentimes they have difficulty with eye movements but also difficulty with eye teaming and converging their eyes. Um, many of them complain about headaches and eye pain, dizziness, um, and balance problems. In fact, you know, I, I've been balance testing my patients for 20 years, okay, as part of my vision evaluation. Why is that? Because vision and balance are tied together. Um, and so, and vision is, in fact, one component of balance. Uh, one of three components of balance is vision, there's vestibular, and there's tactile. So, Balance is, a, is an issue that certainly we need to um, have a look at. The other big one is sensitivity to light, particularly with traumatic and, and concussive injuries. Many of them can't tolerate glare very well. Um, some people might have blurred vision, but it's not 
an overwhelmingly common thing. Most people have good eyesight. So when they go to the eye doctor, what happens? Oh, you see 20, right. 20 you're done. Um, exactly. But, but some will have blurry vision. Um, double vision, con- difficulty converging their eyes, death perception problems. These are other common things that we see. And then lastly, and, and certainly not least, we always, when we test people, what do we test? We test central vision, okay? And central vision is very important. But peripheral vision is actually more, is just as important, okay? And what happens is when we get our visual system becomes stressed, what is it going to do? It's going to collapse space. You become over-focalized, over-centralized, if you will, and you forget about the periphery. So one of our first things we do treatment-wise is what do we do? We open the periphery, okay? That's what you have to do is you have to open up that periphery so you're aware of where you are in space. So when you don't have good periphery, you don't know where you are. And this is one of the things that we have to look at is work on that where am I system that we call mm-hmm. it. Yeah, I know that was one of the first things. You know, so doctors, as I said, you know, weren't really listening to me and taking me seriously. And one of the first things Jeremy did was like, it's your eyes. Your eyes aren't working together. And I was like, hallelujah, somebody's listening to me. Um but, you know, that, that whole under, your, your brain needs to understand where it is in space. And, you know, it makes so much sense once somebody explains it to you, right? And your body is constantly working to stay upright and with gravity. And when your eyes aren't working and your brain is kind of like, well, where am I, right? Like if your eyes aren't teaming together. And so... You know, in my understanding, that's what causes a lot of the balance um, and the gait and that depth perception you mentioned. I, you know, you think you're going to clear the doorway and then you smack your hip on the door frame, right? Like how many bruises did I have? Um, and, and reading, you mentioned reading and um, I was a huge reader. I probably read a book a week and it would take me months to read one book because it just was so difficult. Um, and then once it was pointed out to me how my eyes just weren't, it, my, my eyes, I was explained, my eyes were doing more of a typewriter motion. So they'd read the sentence and then, you know, ding, go back to the, the next sentence where your eyes should be a lot more fluid and just be able to go through those sentences where my eyes were much more choppy, I guess you could say when I was reading. Um, and it would just give me a headache. It fatigued me. I just, you know, as much as I wanted to read, it just, you know, it, it just didn't appeal to me because of how I would feel when I would read. Um, so, you know, I think those are really great examples of what somebody might be struggling with and not understanding it's their eyes. You know, and I have a Facebook group of over 9,000 members. And, you know, every day I hear examples of people you know, this is what I'm struggling with. And, you know, doctors don't seem to know what to do with me. And, you know, I'm constantly telling them to find either a Nora or a functional neurologist. And, um, you know, people just don't know that it's out there. And, and, you know, general providers aren't giving that resource because they don't know about it either. So, you know, I'm, again, so grateful to have doctors like you on my podcast um, and just creating more awareness about these specialties because it's just so un- unknowing. You know, when you when you get thrown into the brain injury world, it's 
you know, you've, you've, <laughs> you have no resources, you have no idea where to go or who to turn to. Um, so, you know, it's just, I, I kind of went off on a tangent there, but, <laughs> you know, I feel it's a really important message um, that there are doctors like you and like Dr. Schmo out there um, who are able to help people with a brain injury um, and, and other neurological issues, as you mentioned before. So what are some well, of the so most common? Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. No, go ahead. Oh, I was just going to ask, you know, what are some of the most common, you know, when people come in and how, how are they finding you? Um, what are some of the common ways that people are getting to you? Because like I said, you know, unfortunately, we're not given many resources by our doctors. Um, so how are many of the people finding you? And how can they find well, you? Well, certainly, certainly, thankfully, in this area, um, in the Dallas-Fort Worth area, um, I'm on staff at a, several rehab hospitals. So I'll go into the hospitals or the hospitals refer patients into our office um, for, for this care. And that, those are the hospitals that I've educated um, uh, as to the benefit of, of neurooptometric care. Um, but there, for every hospital I have, there are 15 or 20 hospitals I don't have. Um, so I think that's really important. So we're trying to get the word out. Certainly the Neurooptometric Rehabilitation Association is trying to do their part also by providing a, a lot of stuff on social media, um, trying, to, try, trying to allow people to understand, hey, there, there are other treatments out there, and there's neurooptometric doctors all over the country, really all over the world at this point, who can help them. Um, and so I, I always tell people they, they should look at the, the NORA website. The NORA, it's noravisionrehab.org, N-O-R-A, visionrehab.org. Um, and you can even find a doctor that's close to you as far as that goes. But I would say about 95% of my, my patients are referraled. Um, and, uh, and we have folks like Dr. Schmo here in the Dallas area. And I know, I know Dr. Schmo is a great guy. And he's certainly a, uh, you know, great young mind in, in the area of, of rehab. Um, but we have our doctors in our area also that do, do similar type mm-hmm. work. And several of which you've already interviewed. Uh, yeah. Here on, on your podcast. Yeah, um, I just had Dr. Nutton last regularly. week. <laughs> right. Yeah. So a great guy. We worked with him some also. So, um, so I think really that largely um, it's referral, but you know, it comes down to one statement. You don't know what you don't know. Yeah. A lot of these doctors just don't know because they don't, they don't seek the answer. Okay. And it's time that, you know, we, no pun intended, it's time for many in the medical field to open up their eyes and see what's out there, see how they can help their patients better. That's what this is all about, is helping the patients get better. Now, you made some, some mention of some other things, like how you felt like your vision was like a typewriter. Of course, I used to use that mm-hmm. analogy all the time, but now no one knows what a typewriter is anymore. So, <laughs> yeah, true. <laughs> <laughs> but still in all, I, I, I used to call it terminal typewriter vision you know, where you kind of jump very slowly between words and read word to word to word, where you're supposed to be having some fluency, going through the page um, and scanning across the page. And people who've had traumatic injuries have a hard time with with it. And really what I find, you know, the way I like to explain it to people, um, it's really a mismatch of where the vision vision system thinks something in space and the brain thinks something in space. Um, So I go back to that example of spatial things. And so that was my turn to go on, on, off on a tangent. But still in all, I wanted to make sure I covered those things that you had mentioned because they're such, an, such, such important com- comments overall. Mm-hmm. You know, 
you know, just I can't stress enough how frustrating it was to go from doctor to doctor to doctor and just keep being told your eyes are fine. There's nothing wrong with them. Um, you know, like I said, it's just positional vertigo and, you know, to struggle for so long and not be getting any answers. And, you know, Jeremy says the same thing. He gets patients coming in two, three, five years later. Whereas if we can find you guys sooner in our recovery, you know, like six months, it would be, I think, an optimal time. Um, and, and that's kind of my next question for you. Um, you know, when is the best time? I, I don't know. Is there a time that's too early in the recovery or not? Um, but when is the optimal time to find a provider like you um, for, and again, every brain injury is different. Every recovery is different. Um, but, you know, for optimal recovery, what, what do you find to be um, the the magic number? <laughs> the best solution. The magic yeah. number is yesterday. <laughs> right. That's the best time to see me is yesterday. Um, most, most, and I, I say that kind of as a joke, but also with the realization that many people are coming to see me a year down the line, two years down the line, three years down the line, where I, I might have been able to be more impactful to them a week after their injury, um, even days after their injury. So I think that's kind of one of the, 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 the miscommunications in the medical field is, well, you've had this injury, let's wait till you feel a lot better, and then you can go check yeah. your vision out. And, and I think that's a mistake because when I'm able to get them when they're really early in the process, let's say a week out of their process, and, um, and we can start working on the visual system, then I can make so much more impact to them than I can someone who's two years out. And we have them because then we have to go back and break the, old, the, the the new habits that they develop. We have to break through those those new bad habits they developed and create the new good habits. And but we have to break down the system before we can build it up again. So that that it's kind of like when you're rebuilding a house, you have to knock the house down before you can build it up again. Whereas if you have a broken house, you could just put up the scaffolding and rebuild, and you're halfway there. Mhm. Yeah. You know. I just, I feel so badly for people who just continue to struggle. And, you know, I know I was told originally I should feel better in four to six weeks and to take two weeks off and do absolutely nothing, you know, basically sit in a dark room. And, you know, we're starting to learn that that's really not the right strategy. Um, and, you know, four to six weeks was so unrealistic for me. I mean, at six weeks, I wasn't an ounce better. I, I was actually getting worse. And, you know, I think people do start to feel they're crazy when they do continue to get worse. I know for me, I kept getting worse and worse and worse over the first 10 months. And, you know, we just can't quite understand what's going on and what's happening. And, you know, the anxiety. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, what does it say? That brings up a great question. Where does the concussion end and post-concussion syndrome begin? Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, at some point, what you have to think about is, okay, my concussion should have been healed by now. Let's say it's two weeks out, three weeks out. If it's not healed after that time period, and and you're and you're getting worse, then that becomes post-concussive, and then and th- those symptoms are sometimes symptoms that last for a long time. And then people go into what I call the new normal phase. What is their new normal? Okay. They consider their new normal normal, but it's really abnormal. Right. (laughs) Yes. 
Yeah. So I think realistically what we have to do is we have to, you know, once again, it's a matter of getting uh, uh, individuals who have a traumatic injury in, into the care system as quickly as we possibly can. And now, of course, as, as, you, as you alluded to, is now the thought process is one day in a dark room and then start bringing back in activities on day two and day three for concussions anyway. Um, and I think that actually makes a lot more sense to me. Um, than putting a person in a dark room because there's no environment for them to deal with. And they got to slowly start bringing back that environment so they can normalize. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, you know, just getting a quality of life back. I know for me, when, when I went to Dr. Schmo within, you know, I did the week long intensive, but within three days of working with him, I could tell my eyes, we're going back to how they used to be. Like it, it was, you know, a pretty rapid shift and, you know, just getting that quality of life back, not constantly feeling dizzy. And, you know, that dizziness leads to so much anxiety. Um, Cause you're just always afraid you're going to like have a dizzy spell or you're going to fall or, you know, something's going to really set you off and give you a killer headache. And, you know, just getting that quality of life back is so incredibly crucial. You know, for me, I'm, I'm at like 80 to 90% recovered. You know, I still have my bad days, but they're farther and fewer between. Um, but like I said, just getting a quality of life back and being able to do activities that, that, you know, like reading again, I'm able to read a book again, you know, it's, it's fabulous. Well, certainly quality of life is, is, a, is a major step forward, um, and that's really the goal of therapy, any type of therapy. But as you said, when you get dizzy and you have that higher anxiety, that's, it brings us back to that point I made earlier that when the way your visual system responds to stress is to collapse space. Mm-hmm. And that's why you tend to walk. People will – it's funny. I just had some physical therapists in my office this morning, and I was showing them a video of a patient I saw last week who had significant dizziness. And um, I had her walking down the hallway, and she was just kind of scooting off to the right. I almost had to catch her two or three times because she was so dizzy. And then I put some, some what we call neurotherapeutic lenses on her, and I had her do the same walk. And it was straight, uh, and, and so we can almost immediately we can almost immediately impact this patient. She was able to walk straight down the hallway the next time through. Was it perfect? No, but just changing that individual instantaneously like that is very impactful. Yeah, absolutely. So we are just about out of time. So I want to ask you if you have any, you know, final words, any parting thoughts for our listeners today. Well, first of all, once again, thank you for having me on. I really enjoyed doing this. Uh, If you want more information, um, you certainly can go to my website, which is um, uh, uh, neurovisionassociates.com. Um, I also mentioned before the neurovisionrehab.org website. Um, If you're involved in sports um, and you're concerned about sports and concussion, uh, there's also another site that's very good. It's uh, it's for the International Sports Vision Association, which is uh, sportsvision.pro. So those are all great resources for you um, to to, to learn more about this. But the the most important point I'm going to make um, if there's one takeaway from this whole conversation is this, 
be in charge of your own care. Mm-hmm. Too often, our patients uh, will just listen to whatever the doctor says and they'll, they'll stop right there. It's time to be yes. responsible for your own care. And I think that, that is the one thing I talk to patients about all the time. I want, ask me questions. Let me, let me see if I can find some answers for you. Um, if your doctor says, well, I can't do anything about it, look deeper. So those yes. are the things that I, talk to, I, I like to talk to patients about. And that should be the good mm-hmm. take-home message for today. Yes, such a great point. We've been, you know, basically taught our whole lives to trust what our doctors tell us. And I was guilty, you know. I was listening to the neurologist, and finally I started to get really frustrated, and I started to look further. But unfortunately, you know, that that took a lot of time in my recovery to finally get pissed off and look elsewhere. Um, And so that's such a great point. If you're not getting the answers you want from your doctor, you have every right to go look elsewhere. Um, and so such a really great ending note there. That's such an important message. Um, and I also wanted to mention, you brought up Nora again, and I, I forgot to mention it earlier. Um, Nora is one of my strategic alliances with my Not Invisible Awareness campaign. So just a shout out and a thank you to them for being a strategic alliance and helping um, promote my awareness campaign. So um, thank you again, Dr. Shalovsky, for being here today. I really, I think we got a lot of great information out there to our listeners. So thank you so much for taking the time today to be here. Certainly my pleasure. And thank you for all the listeners. And thank you everyone for listening. I really hope you enjoyed today's episode and got a lot of great content from Dr. Shalovsky. And again, you can find all previous podcasts at facesoftbi.com and also be sure to follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Amy Zellmer and another big thank you to Midwest Functional Neurology Center the concussion doctors you can trust in the Midwest find them online at mnfunctionalneurology.com thank you for listening thank you for being a part of my journey have a great day everyone and I will see you next time